I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned in launching a skincare brand has been, you got to jump in at some point and it's not going to be perfect. And you're not going to know all the answers because a part of the work and the gray space and the messiness is learning along the way and the progression and getting there. Welcome to On Your Terms with Erin King, a show about living a life you truly love. Here's Erin. If you've ever felt constricted or forced into a box, into a world that says things are yes, no, good, evil, black or white, my friends, good news. Because our guest today is someone who wrote a book all about living life happily in the gray. Mary Lawless Lee is a mother, writer, entrepreneur, and a digital media personality with over 2 million followers. She is dedicated to living creatively, chasing curiosity, and exploring the world through the lens of fashion, family, travel, and design. What began in 2012 as a compliment to her busy job as an ICU nurse quickly became a career of its own. Happily Gray, her now iconic fashion and lifestyle blog, has served as a loving space for readers to connect with Mary's stories and their own journey. She's a proud Nashvillian who lives with her husband and children, and they run the Happily Gray Boutique and also their new skincare line, Mima, a line for new mothers. I cannot retweet Rachel Zoe enough when she described today's guest, Mary, as this. Mary is the definition of the modern superwoman. She embodies the characteristics that have garnered respect and admiration from all who follow her. Rachel, I could not agree more because this conversation today with Mary Lawless Lee was one of my all-time favorites. We tackle all kinds of questions, everything from how to balance all the responsibilities of an entrepreneur, how to build, hire, and grow a team that can really complement your strengths. And most importantly, we dive deep into the mental health and emotional health aspect of balancing living a life online with living a true life offline that is deeply beautiful and creative. Enjoy this episode with the one and only Mary Lawless Lee. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of On Your Terms. I'm Erin King, and today I am so excited to connect you with Nashville entrepreneur, author, speaker, blogger, super mama, Miss <laughs> Mary Lawless Lee. Mary, welcome to today's show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I feel like I've got so much to learn from you. So I'm excited, just as excited to be here talking and speaking with you as well. Oh my gosh, we're back at you. And I just, you know, I was looking through all of your different product lines and your book and your website, and you're just such a a great example of that multi-hyphenate, multi-passionate female entrepreneurs can still scale and have focus, even if they have their attention in multiple places. And I think that's a message that we hear a lot of times, which is we can't be everything to everyone. We can't do... Mm all the things. And yet that's a very binary mindset. There's this idea, right? Of like, either you're focusing on one thing or you're a hot mess or, you know, you're an emerging entrepreneur or you're Sarah Blakely and you sold it for a billion dollars. And (laughs) what I love about your platform and your messaging, particularly in your book, which congratulations for launching it last year, is this title happily gray is this really beautiful 
you know, encouragement for us to embrace the messy, complicated mm-hmm. middle that is more often than not the reality of the situation we find ourselves, whether it's being an entrepreneur or a mom or a friend, or just going through this evolutionary season mm-hmm. that a lot of my clients, a lot of my girlfriends, myself, on the other side of what we just went through, there's big questions, you know, big, juicy questions. Like, totally. who do we want to be on the other side of what we just experienced? And so I just, I love this, this encouragement to embrace this middle, this, this happily gray. So let's take it back to when you felt compelled to write this book. What was the impetus, the moment where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, life is about being happy in the gray? Mm-hmm. Totally. No, I, you know, so I, I, I get asked, like, how long did it take, take to write this book? When did you start working on it? And I really, you know, my love for writing started when I was a little girl. It's, it's why I started the, the blog Happily Gray a decade ago and ended up transitioning out of, as, out of a critical care nursing job and kind of stepping in, kind of un, unplanned into this digital media world. But yeah, so I've been writing this book since I was like 11, underneath my covers with a lash, flashlight. That's like how I truly think of it <laughs> in my, my mind. But, you know, for me, you know, this is really the other side of the story. I have gotten to share a big piece of my life on social media in the last decade. And, you know, I myself am scrolling through social media, feeling very polarized by how, you know, one-sided it can feel, how toxic it can feel and unrelatable it can feel. And, you know, I'm feeling those feelings. I know that other people have to be feeling those feelings, especially since it's my job. I like operate on social media. And so I, about two years ago, I started really wanting to share the other side of the story. And that's what this book really represents. And when I was in my mid twenties is when I kind of started, you know, stepping into this gray period of my life and realizing life wasn't black and white. I grew up kind of with this mentality, this small town conservative upbringing that I had to be this and I had to fit in this box. And as a woman, I had to do this, this, and this and go through and check my boxes off before I was the age of 30 or Mm. I have failed. And so, you know, when I, when I went to, after, after going to school and after getting my first job is when really my whole perspective shifted. And I started peeling back those layers and realizing that things were adding up they weren't making sense. You know, I, 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 it just wasn't fitting into the box that I thought I was supposed to. And that's when I really started exploring that energy and, and letting myself kind of, you know, discover what that looked like. And for me, that gray space, even though at times it was scary and it was the unpaved way, it felt like freedom and it felt like a sense of safety that I didn't have to fit into this box and I didn't have to be what I was supposed, quotes, supposed to be. And um, that's when I really started kind of getting back that sense of childlike wonder, you know, that I think that escapes us as adults. We tend to lose that because we're going through life with our pen and our checklist. And that's when I really felt like I started living and, and, you know, and, and, and connecting back and really trusting myself and just really discovering like what I wanted in life and who I wanted to be and how I was going to get there. That gray space kind of enabled me to kind of push through to find those things. Mm, so, so good. I think we had the same childhood, by the way. <laughs> no. Okay. So, so much here. Okay. This is a very mm-hmm. California comment, but my mom and dad were both, are, are both Virgos. And if you are into astrology, I don't know if you are or not, but Virgos are the ultimate 
box making, list making, checking <laughs> game plan people. So I grew up in that exact same environment as you did. And I will never forget the moment that I decided that there was a third option. It wasn't you're being this this good girl, you know, where you're following the game plan, which, you know, in my book, I outlined a very similar story, like the checklist, which I don't know who yeah. wrote this down, but somehow we all got a checklist <laughs> about get married, have kids, you know, X, Y, Z. And I remember it was like, I was 25 years old and I came out to California for, I had a meeting for my job and I had a rental car and never been to California before. And I came around this corner and I just saw the big sparkling blue Pacific ocean just open up so oh. vast. And I grew up on the East coast in Baltimore, Maryland, which is mm. a slightly different natural mm -hmm. environment. Right. <laughs> and so I remember it was just this moment where I was like, what if there was a whole other way besides, you know, Target and suburbia? And like, what if I like just moved here and, and just for a year and just explored a whole other way? Well, that was the gateway decision where I was only going to go for one year. And that was 15 years ago. And it was um, amazing because, you know, my whole family was <laughs> on the East Coast. We're all very close to this day. However, it was just that one moment of realization, like there's another way to do this and it doesn't have to be someone else's prescription. And then it triggered so many other things for me. So I'm curious for you, having grown up similar to me, was there a moment that you, or was it a moment or was it a crossroads or like, when was sort of the first time when you began to think like, gosh, I don't know if this is the prescription for me. Like, I, I don't think, I think I'm going to blow this box up and create a new one and then blow that one up and then just operate <laughs> as, you know, my most authentic self. I mean, how did mm -hmm. you kind of get to that point? No, totally. I can, I can relate to that moment that you're talking about when you saw the ocean for the first time, when I saw New York for the first time, mm -hmm. I, I grew up in a tiny, small rural town in East Texas. And I mean, I say all this in, in gratitude of, I'm so thankful for the morals and values that I, I grew up surrounded by. I think, Same. you know, I just, I internalized this invisible pressure that I also think is a little bit generational too, that we don't, you know, you don't talk about your feelings as much and you don't, you, you take it on, you're strong and, you know, you just get through kind of mentality. And so I, you know, in, in a way that's kind of how I set myself up for that, here's my pen, here's my checklist. And now I'm going to live my life and this is what it's going to look like. But for me, that moment was really after going through my first, my, my divorce, I got married per my checklist, per my list at 21. And, you know, I woke up at 25 and I was like, this is what, what have I done? This is, this is not who I am. And, and, and the biggest, the biggest piece of that was I had felt like I had stopped living. And to me, that was the true heartbreak of it all. Yes. I could have continued in that marriage. We kind of were like just fine existing together, but neither of us were actually living and growing and evolving. And to me, that was when I realized there was something more to this that I was missing. And if, I wanted to kind of chase those dreams, then there was a different path. And that was kind of the journey of, like I mentioned earlier, peeling back the layers and starting to kind of, you know, look into what, you know, things don't make sense. sense and I'm going to, this is going to get really messy and 
I'm going to go this way, actually. <laughs> that's when I really started living, though. And that's, I think, you know, that's when the first time that I actually trusted myself to make those decisions versus whatever the, you know, predestined plan that I thought that I was supposed to be on. And I have never looked back from that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, that's when I really stepped into my creativity and figuring out what I was passionate about and ultimately going through some of those experiences during that space is what set me up to be where I'm at today. And, 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 and I mean that in finding the right person, creating a family, I, I wouldn't be the spouse or the mother had I not had those, you know, th- that been a part of my journey or, or business owner. And so yeah, I have this deep appreciation for the messiness and for the, you know, in between moments where we're figuring it out and getting there. And I, you know, I feel that in business now more than ever. I feel like I kind of, as now as a 35 year old, I'm, I'm starting to get my personal life together. <laughs> I've got two kids. <laughs> I'm six months pregnant. I've got a great, supportive, incredible spouse. Congrats. Um, Thank you. We we love our life here in Nashville, but I tend to, you know, doubt myself now in this phase of life with business and, and the messiness and kind of, you know, we just launched a new skincare brand and, and, you know, taking on a new venture. There's a lot of doubt. There's a, it's scary. You know, you, there's this risk of, of failure and fear with that. And so I, I often remind myself, Hey, you've been here. like in a different way, but you have been here. So stay in it. Don't abandon this because there's something to learn here. And you're going to come out of this period with, with the tool set that you didn't have. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting, but I think that's a part of the, the progress is, you know, staying in that, that messy period and getting through it, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. it being in the trenches. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so well said. And Obviously, I want to know how you balance all of this with having like three kids and all these different product lines. And I mean, and you seem really chill. I know you live in the South, which is impressive, but (laughs) I mean, like, I mean, I'm a multi entrepreneur. I've had multiple companies, you know, I've done it and I'm my speaking business is great and my books and my team and I do it too, but I feel like I'm so like you're just so uh, relaxed about all of it. I, My I, team I, would I never, probably say differently. Okay, okay. <laughs> so maybe it's just sort of the got it. But but how do you? I mean, how do you balance all of all of this at once? And I'm not asking the question in like an annoying reporter way, where they're like, "How do you balance it all?" Which they don't ask guys because they only ask moms and that whole conversation. True. But I mean, more. I'm I'm asking more from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I guess to make my question more specific. Do you feel, this is sort of what I feel like I do. I look at my plate and I have my my family, I have my business, and then I have my self-care. And, and yes. I always feel like I'm doing two of them fairly well. And then one, I feel like is just a hot mess. And so then I'll shift my focus to like two other ones. I'll click over. And then the third one kind of feels like it's not getting enough of my energy. And so do you feel that you are constantly just re juggling the plate at all times or how do you, how do you manage this? 
Okay. I can totally relate to that because I, I, I look at it almost identically. Like I've got career, I've got family and then self-care. Cause I also, what motherhood has taught me is if you can't take care of yourself, you won't have anything to give to your kids. 100%. And also your kids won't know how to take care of themselves if they're not seeing that, you know, echoed to them. And so that's also been a huge learning curve that motherhood has taught me very well. But, you know, for me, it comes in waves. Last year was a crazy busy year. We, we launched another company. I finished my first book and, you know, and so it, it comes in waves and sometimes I'm juggling it. Well, usually the thing that falls off for me is the self-care. Mm. And then it's the reminder of motherhood. That's always like checks me on that. And it pulls me out of that. But, you know, from a business perspective, the biggest thing I've learned is delegation. It sounds so cheesy and simple, but mm-hmm. you know, if someone can do something 80% as good as you can delegate it. And I am of my core, I am a perfectionist and it's really hard. It was really hard for me to accept that. But over the last six years, if I wanted to grow a team, if I wanted to be able to be present and, and still be creative, I was going to have to be able to support and trust and rely on a team. And I think that's really, I, I will be the first to say, there's nothing singular about my operation. And I think, you know, having support in your life that can look in a lot of different ways, whether it's a sister, whether it's a friend, whether it's, whether it's a full team, depending on professional personally, I think just being able to say, Hey, I can't do this all on my own and I need help. And motherhood has really taught me that it's really humbled me in a way that I, uh, you know, prior to becoming a mom, I thought I could do it. I kind of felt like I was invincible and I quickly learned that I'm not, and that I can't do it all on my own. And so my, and I also think, you know, just like having a present spouse and being very direct with each other. We now have, this sounds also cheesy, but we have Sunday night meetings where we talk about what does the week look like? And we're really direct with like, Hey, I've got to do this. This has to happen. And it, it's us being respectful of each other's time. Mm -hmm. And with that clarity and with being clear, we're able to hopefully accomplish what we need to accomplish in that week. But having now two kids, one on the way, like uh, us both having, you know, multiple businesses between each other, it just wouldn't like, we wouldn't get those things done if we're not like really direct and clear with each other of what those needs are. And that has really been a game changer of being able to feel like, I can run my business and be a mom and also, you know, have my 30 minute bath in the evenings. That is like my reset period, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you brought up a 30 minute bath because I think (laughs) oftentimes we hear advice, you know, that it has to be this big dramatic, you know, you have to get like your hour and a half workout or you have to go get a massage and a facial or, you know, it's always these very like, you know, because you've gotten to a point where you've allowed yourself to get so wound up and so underserved and so undernourished from a soul level that it does take a dramatic, you know, moment Mm -hmm. once a month, the girls weekend where you're just like, oh my God, give me all the champagne. I can't handle life. Right. (laughs) So I love that you're sort of calling this out where you're like, look, it's just a daily practice. It's a 30 minute bath. It's circling the wagons Sunday night and having the real talk and calendar review, which we do as well in our house. 
I mean, every Sunday, one thing, you know, I am not a massage person actually drives me crazy to get massages. And even when I go get my nails done, it's like, unless I have a shoot that or something that I have an event that I have to have nails done, it just drives me crazy. And, and I always thought for a weird, like, you know, felt weird about self-care. Like, I don't know what this looks like. And, you know, through motherhood and kind of getting to the rock bottom of that, I realized, okay, baths, I love baths. But my other thing that I've discovered that I loved is plant care having my green babies. And on Sundays for like two hours, I will take care of my greens. And it's this peaceful time that I didn't really categorize it. Had you asked me three years ago as self-care, but I'm like, wow, this is actually like a form of meditation for me. So I think it's interesting because self-care doesn't have to look like everyone else's. It's just like whatever brings you joy and, you know, kind of lets you unwind and turn off and, you know, kind of restore that spirit and renew and it can look different for it, for everyone. Oh my gosh. I have never heard about the, the, the green plant babies, the green thumb route well, of self-care. I, I kill every plant I've ever had in my life. So that sounds terrible too. to me, but I also love a good massage. So it takes all kinds, huh? right? <laughs> no, totally. Well, my friends look at me and they're like, you're crazy that you don't like to get massages, but they also are like, I don't relate to your plant obsession either. So <laughs> it's like that. to each their own. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that takeaway is that we hear the same five tips. And it's always about improving our appearance or, but that it can be a hobby. It can be a moment where when you're focused on just like I have a girlfriend that just took up this is so random she's doing needlepoint which sounds like it's from wow. the 1880s which it is and she's like it's just something where i'm not holding my phone in my hands so mm -hmm. both of her hands are occupied just like your plant care and also it's this repetitive like movement where it just forces her to stop thinking about all the things for a mm -hmm. minute that's not yoga right so she yeah. has the exact same sort of moment that you do where it sounds kind of, I mean, obviously a plant is not as random as needlepoint, but like <laughs> it just, it, it, to your point, it can be whatever is going to allow you to turn off, go inward and just take a minute to reset. So I love that so much. So let's talk about moving from physical self-care and mental self-care. Let's transition over to emotional self-care. Mm. Because you have a couple million social media followers. My listeners know, and I just shared with you, you know, I've been in the social media game since the very beginning. I have such, as you said, you do as well, such a love-hate relationship with social media. And it's interesting. It's, it's one of these topics where we talk about it to death. Everyone talks mm -hmm. about social media and mental health <laughs> to death. And I don't know about you, but I am still interested in discussing it because I haven't solved it for myself and I have not really met anyone that has solved it for themselves. Circling back to your title, I have met two camps that seems to have solved it. Camp number one is the ultra influencer live and die on their phone, like bury me with my cell phone. This is my whole life. And I have millions and millions of followers, but I cannot hold a conversation in real life because mm -hmm. I'm always on my phone. And I'm never present and I'm anxious, but I'm making money from the ads and the clicks and like, do you? Okay, fine. Then there's the other camp where it's these highly radical, simplify your life, never on social media, sketchy ghost footprint online, sort of holding with all they have near and dear to the 1990s that just like are like, I don't do social media. Like my husband does not do social media and I love that for mm -hmm. him, but his business is not 
dependent on it. He can't right. like 10x his impact using social media. Mm-hmm. And so, so I have found myself, like many people, like most people, I think, sort of at war with myself and my relationship with my device. And I think Mm -hmm. that what I know to be true is during the pandemic, when we all panicked, we had so much more time with our screens. And so, you know, I mean, I ran social media for everybody else forever and ever. And so I only started my own social media maybe like five years ago. So the cobbler's kid has the worst shoes, obviously. And so I remember (laughs) starting with it and I was like, oh, I can do it for everybody else. But now that it's mine, it's a different vibe, right? Like it's do as I say, not as I do. And I remember just when I, like over the pandemic, when we started to really get our cadence, my team and I, we have like, you know, the content calendar and the video content and we're on all the channels and we're doing all the things. And everything starts picking up, you know, business and mentions, and we're seeing the direct impact. And my mental health, I thought I was going to lose my mind. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I, this, I don't want to live my life like this. So then I swung, I didn't read Happily Gray yet. So I swung to the other side. Totally. And then I was like, I I went to Italy for 10 days and did not bring my phone, like left it in America and went to Italy for 10 days. (gasps) It was the best thing I ever did in my life. I ate the food and saw every, I was fully married. It was again, but like so extreme, like who's not photographing and positive. That's impressive. (laughs) I'm not saying it to be a bragger. I literally just was so tired. I literally didn't even, it wasn't even hard. It wasn't like, oh, I'm doing this to be better than everyone. My digital detox. I just literally was like, I hate my phone. I hate you. I hate you. You're robbing me of everything that is joyful in my life. So I went, Mm -hmm. ate pasta, all the fun. Okay. Bringing it home. Point of the story. I have tended to be one or the other. And I love this idea of happily gray because at this point, I'm I'm working towards defining what success looks and feels like to me. I have not mastered it yet, but mm-hmm. I would love to hear how you are managing it because you have so many followers, so many businesses. You seem, like I said, I know you're like, saying, ask my team how I really am when things go down. <laughs> but your vibe to me feels very, very like calm and joyful and serene and present. And so I love that about you. I've only met you like an hour ago, but I love your vibe. <laughs> so I wonder, you know, how do you think about this? How do you approach mm-hmm. this? Your feed is gorgeous. But there has to be more to the story. So tell me about your personal relationship from an emotional standpoint with this platform. I, I have, a, I can fully relate to everything you're saying. And that's why I dedicated an entire chapter of my book to social media and the bound, the, the struggle and the toxicity around it and the progression of how it's even gotten worse over the years for me, as I've added kids to the equation and business, other businesses to the equation. Like I don't have the luxury of just being on it and, you know, like endlessly. And, but then f- the other side of that is feeling the pressure when I'm not on it endlessly, endlessly. And especially for me too, I, 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 my, my business is wrapped up in it. And so in a way it's tricky because it's like, well, I don't really like, like emotionally, this is kind of crippling me, but then I feel this like, you know, I, I well, I need to be because it, it does affect my business. So it is a hundred percent, a love hate relationship. And I, you know, if, if, if I sat here today and told you I have the fix all, and this is per, this is how I perfectly manage this relationship, I would be lying. And I kind of think anyone would be because I have had this conversation so many times. And I think it's about the, you know, trying to maintain balance, trying to get to a place where there's healthy boundaries and maintaining that. 
Sometimes you will do better than others. Sometimes it won't. And then you'll have to pull back and do something extreme, like with what you just said. Like, I think it's important that when you do feel in those extreme moments that you, you like lean into that, you leave your phone home when you go to Italy, which is amazing and incredible. Um, I just did that when my husband and I went on a little two day escape and I didn't, I didn't post about it. Did I had my phone cause my, in case my kids needed me, but didn't share one thing about it. didn't post about it. And like those little moments are so important because if you don't, it will overtake your whole life in a way. Cause I have been there. I have felt that. And that's Same. why I dedicated a chapter to it. I also think it's important conversation. Like you said, it, it is a conversation that's happening a lot, but we should still be having this because it, our kids are now growing up with it. Our youth are growing up with it in a way that we did not. Mm-hmm. And there's an organization called half the story. Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of um, Create and Cultivate, introduced it, uh, me to it. And now they're like one of our charity partners <clears throat> for our skincare brand and some of the other events we do. But this lady named Lars started this, this organization and it is all about trying to educate our youth around how to utilize social media so that they can have, you know, a normal childhood, but don't not feel so sucked in and engulfed by Mm. this new world that we're living in. And I I think the work that they're doing, you'll have to check them out because it's, I mean, I could talk the whole episode just on that organization, the work they're doing. It's really, really important. And I'm passionate about it because I've seen the effects it's had on me. And even my three-year-old will tell me, Hey, I want me no pictures today. No pic. Like she already can pick up on that. Mm. Um, and so the thing that I have found, I will say, and this is the truth. And that's why I, I say all that before, like there's no to- total perfect fix to this, but the thing that I have found that helped me, and I never set out to write a like self-help book by yeah. any means, but there is a few little like tricks and do this. This is what I've learned type list. And one of them is called the doable digital cleanse. And this is not something I do constantly, but it's something I do three to four times a year or whenever I feel like I'm going to throw my phone. I, I I have to get away. This is kind of what I revert to. And there's like seven things. I list them out in my book. One of the most important ones that my husband the other day was like, this means a lot to me that you, that we do this now. Cause I feel like it, 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 the boundary around social media really feels real. That is, it's called the 24 hour rule. And basically, if anything monumental happens in our life, either with me, with him, with our kids, with our business, we wait 24 hours before we share it on social media so that it doesn't feel like there's this seeking of verification or validation from social media. I love that. You know what's interesting? I didn't even see this coming, but the crazy part is half the time I don't even share it on social media. I enjoy it with myself, with my family. I'll call my parents, but I end up like the other day, I didn't put it on social media. And I thought, wow, that I feel really strong. This makes me feel empowered that I don't have to seek this approval from social media. And I felt really proud in that moment. And the fact that my husband then was like, Hey, I noticed this. I feel this, that we don't have to sell, have a celebration on social media for it to mean something Mm. means a lot to me. So that's a powerful 
that's really powerful. And that's kind of like, that's one that we constantly practice, but I love that so much. That is brilliant. A friend told me about it and she was like, it shifts where you get your validation. Sold. Done. Like we are totally implementing it yesterday. That is genius. It's doable to your point, doable. But also what I love the most about this is you get to really soak in the moment and you don't allow the amplification of the broadcasting to steal any of the experience. Like you really witness it. That is genius. Totally. That could be a whole book, by the way. (laughs) It feels more sacred. It feels more Mm -hmm. sacred. It's, you know, I I think that we used to operate that way, but now enter the equation with Instagram and everyone runs to the app to share the latest and greatest, but it just feels very empowering when that doesn't have to be your outlet. And you can really share in the joy with your family, with yourself, with your best friend, whatever that looks like, you know? And I don't know, it meant a lot to me that he said that the other day, because even just with our relationship, you know, me having a job that's filtered through social media definitely is, it it weighs down our relationship at times too. So that was cool that, you know, he also felt that. And, and outside of the 24 hour rule, there's several other little things that are in there. I think it's like a list of seven, but I do those. I try to practice by those, especially when it's becoming too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And the, the other, one of the the things on there is, is stop scrolling. And I mean, if you want to scroll, scroll, if you're like bored and you want the sense of discovery, but I hardly ever scroll on social media. I, I I have the people that I want to see and I go to their pages and I like will look at the last five grid posts and read, or I will watch the stories if they have them up or I'll catch them on their, their highlights. But I rarely now will scroll. And that was very different than a year and a half ago. I, that's how I would get trapped spending so much time on the app. Okay. And, and, you know, I think like, you know, being direct with your, being very conscious of your time and being direct with where your interests lie are, is just really important. And that's helped me a lot. It's so true, Mary. And, and what I think is interesting about the scroll stopping suggestion is the fact that people really do preach this. I mean, we've all heard, you know, just don't scroll. Okay. Well, obviously it was designed by the world's smartest engineers to intentionally keep us addicted, to intentionally (laughs) trigger us to come back. This whole thing was not by accident. And so, so I think for a lot of us, I don't know if this ever happened to you. It's happened to me for sure. We will spin this false narrative that we're working because our business is on social media. We have to be there. Otherwise we're missing things. Well, when we're going down the rabbit hole of, you know, the Williams brothers, whatever those dancing troupe guys are, or, you know, whoever, whatever you're watching, you're like, this is actually wasting my life and not helping me make an impact or an income. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. So for our sales team, a lot of times they, they they have like our prospects and our clients and our customers and just our network, right? And so a lot of people that are on, on social doing selling and relationship building, they're like, I have to scroll. It's my business. One thing that we found to be very helpful, especially for our network marketing clients who live on social media, they are like, just like bloggers, you know, they're just, they're mm-hmm. on there all the time. We found if you if you create a an Excel spreadsheet of all of the stakeholders, clients, prospects, your your world that's yes. hashtag working. And then if you operate from your desktop, 
not from yes. mobile. Yes. They just click, like you were saying, like, like go to each one. And then if you're on desktop, it's clunky. There is certain features and functionalities that you can't scroll. So now we have, we so figured so out how to have, it's so good now. So they'll go on for, you know, two hours a day, but they're banging through a list of sending love to 100 key individuals that mm-hmm. are going to make a difference in our impact and our income. And that has changed the game for us. I love that you're saying this. I, I literally, same, same thing on our side. We have, we call it our hot list. We have yeah. a list of creators, brands, marketers, like the people that, like you're saying, make an impact and that really are, you know, centered around work. We check their profiles. We interact with them. In fact, we do it from desktop because my my husband's the one because I work with him. He's one of my business partners in on one of our businesses. And it's so funny because one of our younger assistants said, oh, I don't like the desktop version. It's not like easy to navigate. And it's like, and it was so funny because that you're right. That is the point. That is yeah. the point. You're yeah. very direct. You get on, you get on, you do what you need to do and then you get off and then you refocus. And I can very transparently say that that's how we operate social media with all of our businesses. And, and over the last year, we haven't seen a a, a decrease in revenue because we're not scrolling the app. You know, I think it's about like what you said, being really intentional with your time and how you're spending it. And, and you don't see a loss of impact that way. In fact, it's just, it's probably benefiting you in the other way. One, your, your mental health. And then secondly, your time is better spent. Like I can't tell you, like as an entrepreneur, being able to put pen to the paper and brainstorm and think about long-term goals and create with my team, you know, and really think through processes. I can't do that when I'm so engulfed in social media. And so that's why it is as a business owner for me, it's so important that I have boundaries so that I can put my thinking cap on and I can get outside that and really like get into the nitty gritty of, of whatever it may be, you know? It's so good. I love the hot list idea. I think anyone listening, hot list. make your hot list, put it on desktop and get your life back, right? <laughs> get Truly. your life back. Oh, well, I, I can't wait to finish. I haven't finished your book yet. I'm about halfway through and I just cannot recommend my success friends to listen, read, watch your content, read this book. If you had to say like when it comes to living life in the gray, kind of final question for you, what would you say is sort of one area besides social media or whatever you wanted to say that you feel has made the biggest impact by embracing like I'm living in this area in the gray I haven't figured it out I'm not ignoring it it's just like I hate the phrase but it is what it is like I I am I am existing within this space this circumstance this relationship it's not perfect it's not terrible it's not good it's not evil is there one area that just by sort of accepting that and not having to fix it and solve it, but also not stressing over it, that has made a huge impact for you and your life? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I would say, I mean, just really the last year, even jumping in and not waiting till it's perfect. I mean, we just have been through this with my skincare brand and especially I, I hear this story over and over. The more people, successful entrepreneurs that I talk to of 
it doesn't have to be perfect to, to launch and to jump in and to just do it. And I think, you know, at times we think that all we have to have everything in a row, perfectly lined up, ready to go. And the finished product has to be in the, the, the absolute finished best light that it can. And I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned in launching this skincare brand has been, you got to jump in at some point and it's not going to be perfect. And you're not going to know all the answers because a part of the work and the gray space and the messiness is learning along the way and the progression and getting there. And so, you know, it's kind of in a, my perfectionism in a way like counters me. And I always have to remind myself and find the balance of, Hey, it's okay. You can, you can have the, the perfect picture in your head and that can be the goal, but know that don't let it cripple the process. That's tr- that is trying to, you know, catch a spark right now, like jump in, start learning, start growing, figure out what people are responding to and what they love and what they value. And then, you know, those one degree little shifts every day, you're going to wake up in six months and you're going to be closer to that goal. And it might take like two or three years to get to that goal, but Mm -hmm. it's those like small one degree little shifts that, you know, will eventually add up to that. And, you know, I think that that's, that's always just an internal struggle for me that, you know, I have to remind myself that progression, that gray space, that evolution it's a part of the journey and you perfection is not expected right from the start, you know, or, mm-hmm. or we wouldn't learn all the, we wouldn't have our tool set because we wouldn't have learned all those, those, you know, those key things. So I'm definitely in that period right now with our skincare brand. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's tricky, right? Because you're getting it off the ground. It's fly baby bird fly at the same token, you know, you have built so many, and also I think what's tricky for you specifically, probably, I would assume, is because so much of what you do has an aesthetic necessity mm-hmm. to it. And so that just exacerbates any any mm-hmm. existing perfectionist tendencies. You're also existing where your business depends on is it the most beautiful photo ever? Is it the most gorgeous garment? Is it, I mean, the aesthetic, a beautiful aesthetic does strive to be air quote perfect, whatever that means. And so it has to be tricky to sort of put up that boundary and say, okay, yes, I can create as best I can a perfect experience or product or moment, but then let's not let it bleed over into how I celebrate those wins or how I celebrate that progress over perfection, which it sounds like you're doing a hell of a job doing. So congratulations on all of this. Just incredible. Thank you. I mean, the, the the team and the support, I'm constantly reminded of what you're just saying. My husband and I were having that conversation literally yesterday about, hey, it doesn't have to be perfect. We've got to press go. We've mm-hmm. got to do this. And I think that's why I talk about mentorship, support around you, whatever that looks like, get people around you that know who you are and that can kind of check you when you need to be, you know, like they can give you that little green light wake up call. That's like, Hey, you can do this. And here's, you know, here's why you can, I think that that good reminder to have is, is really crucial. Yep. I agree. I mean, well said, those truth tellers are so important to having us. Yeah. I mean, done is better than perfect. 
not yes. just yes, man, but they, yeah, they, they come and they speak the truth and it mm-hmm. might be hard to hear in the moment, but then you're like, oh yeah. Okay. It's, it's so good. I think that's a really great piece of advice to end on is like, you know, who's on your personal board of directors, you know, who, mm-hmm. who are, you know, classic to your point earlier, like classic, like we've heard this before cliche air quote, but it's one thing to know it, like knowing does not equal doing. Common sense is not common practice. And and the five people that you're spending the mm. most time with or three or 10, like whoever's your circle, I'm really examining those key close relationships. Okay. Obviously, you can't always choose your family and there's all, always the friends from mm-hmm. forever and ever that you just love them because they know all your secrets and you have to, otherwise they blackmail you. <laughs> um, but other than that, it is an interesting exercise to kind of look around and say like, you know, do I have the ones that are willing to shoot me straight? that are willing to probably, you know, I'm a very uh, reactionary. So if someone doesn't like what I'm doing, I just will kind of react. I'm working on it as I'm getting older, but I'll just react. Mm -hmm. And then later be like, you're actually right. I'm really sorry. That's a great idea. But in the moment, (laughs) it's tough when you're the CEO, the founder, and you're like, I have the vision. Just everyone fall in line. And, And then there's these moments where you look back and you say, well, thank goodness that I, I checked myself before I wrecked myself and and yes. that I did have another way of looking at it. And it kind of goes full circle back to your initial advice about delegation and mm-hmm. how I think as an entrepreneur, figuring out when to delegate and when to be a bad listener to me is the line that I find the most challenging to walk as an entrepreneur, where either delegating or listening to the other opinion, but there's also these moments where there's a reason why Mm -hmm. you are the face of the brand. There's a reason why Mm -hmm. you've been able to build all of this. There's a reason why I've been able to do what I've been able to do. It's like, because we have a secret sauce that is working. And so it's that balance. It's tricky, right? To Mm -hmm. to figure out, you know, you don't want to go full Kanye West on anything, you know, (laughs) where you're like totally delusional, but you also don't want to be like, I'm just delegating decisions to everyone because then there's no one driving the ship. So that's a hard thing for me personally to walk. I don't know about you, but. No, totally. And I think that's why it's really, it's really as a, as a leader and entrepreneur business owner, I think you have to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I hire into those. I am very aware of what I'm not good at. I'm, I, I might be good at this thing, but I like my right hand brand director who I would trust to operate my business. Like she can do those, those, like she excels in those, in the ways that I don't. And I think it's really important. One of the best pieces of advice I've, I've, I've ever heard is hire people that are smarter than you mm-hmm. and hire to your weaknesses. And so I think that that's, uh, that's like always when I'm in the interview process and thinking about skill sets, I try to look at that. And then also too, when you're building a team, like finding those, those voids on your team of, of that, where people can jump in and serve in, in a way that fills that hole. And so that it strengthens your, your team as, as a whole, but yeah, it's that, that is, that's always hard. It's always hard for me. And I think like, that's why I kind of always go back to my list of this is what I'm good at and this is my strength. And right. I need to, I need to be a listener in, in this moment. And it's hard though. It's, it's, it's hard because you, it's your baby. And so mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, but this was the idea. <laughs> totally. My husband always goes, you stay in your lane, stay in yes. your lane. I'm yes. like, okay, but I had this other idea. You know, one thing that is, is really challenging is the post hire as well. You know, when you hire for the strengths you don't have and you hire for what you don't know, what I have found to be true is that when I, I do that, 
this happened to us just three months ago. Then I sometimes will forget, um, you know, I've had, I've mm. had hundreds, hundreds of employees in the last 10 years, but most recently, this was the most recent anecdotal uh, moment for me. I forget that you're hiring for someone that can do what you really are not good at. So why, mm. why am I trying to make my process work for them. Like I need to honor their process. Totally. Like, yeah. cause then I'll be like, well, they aren't doing it like this. It's like, well, duh, because you hired someone that does something better than you do. So you have to honor it post hire mm -hmm. as well. Like once they're on the team, they're not going to row at the same stroke rate as you or the way you would think about it. That's why you hired someone to fill in that gap. So, so sort of like sort of unclenching the fist and mm -hmm. letting them fly can be scary, particularly if you've had, you've been burned in the past by totally. employees. And the more you have, the more that you have more, more stories of business breakups and, and those, the, the stories that just gut your heart because someone was part of the family and then they left and it's not personal. It's just business. That's bullshit. Like, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so it can be tricky, but I think starting off by even just being aware to your point, like yeah. where do I shine organically? Like, what is that thing that I do that every time I do it, everyone looks at me and says, oh my gosh, Mary, how did you do that? And you're like, well, can't everyone do that? It's like, no, like that's your jam. And, and I think that that intentionality, that awareness, like you said, is such mm -hmm. a key first step to, to solving that piece. That's so true. It's, it, and you know, too, what I've, what I've heard repeatedly from past team members is autonomy is one of the greatest gifts you can give people. And if you don't fully like let go and give that to them, you can't really expect for them to be able to jump into their process if they don't have the freedom to really do their thing. And I, you know, it's, it's hard, but I, I always try to approach like a, a, a new team member in that way that I'm going to give you this freedom. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to work backwards and like slowly get into it. I'm going to give you this and I want to establish the trust and let you show me, you know, what your processes look like. You, you set them because two people work best within their own processes. They don't work best within my processes. And so letting them have that autonomy and that trust that you give them will mean so much to them. I like one of the last people that I hired, I asked what, you know, what motivates you? That's always the last question I ask when I interview someone. And the answer was, that I gain your trust, that I, that I, that the people that I'm working with around me trust me. And I feel that. And I know that there's this, this level of confidence in me. And that really motivates me, excites me. And I just thought, wow, I've never heard that question answered in that way. And that's mm. really amazing. And it reminded me of the importance of that autonomy and letting people do what you hire them to do <laughs> and, and remembering what, you know, where, where your weaknesses are and just letting them have their own wings and letting them fly. Mm -hmm. So they got hired, obviously. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, like that's, <laughs> I thought that's, that's, that's a, a fantastic answer. Perspective. Yeah. yeah so good. Oh my gosh. Well, for more perspectives from the fabulous Mary Lawlessly, you can visit happilygray.com. At Mary Lawlessly is her fantastically beautiful Instagram. And then Nima is your phenomenal uh is it postpartum sort of post baby maternity pregnancy. line Got it. yeah it's pregnancy and postpartum and we're launching kids this year i'm i'm very excited we're a new brand and we have three products but we are soon launching more so very excited fantastic well i can't wait to be following along cheering you on i know my success listeners are just going to be checking out all of the wonderful products and messaging on happilygray.com pick up her book amazon target all the places 
Thank you so much, Mary. Thank I really you. enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you. So did I. You are like witty, hilarious, so smart and so genuine. And I just appreciated every bit of that today. Back at you. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. We can get more of Mary Lawless Lee at her website, happilygray.com. Check out her new book that just came out last year. You can find it in Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, and make sure to check out her incredible clothing, her kids line, her accessories, her design line. She has all the things. And guys, I just cannot wait to see more of her on the podcast. We have to have her back. I'm such a fan. Definitely follow her as well on Instagram at Mary Lawless Lee. Till next time, friends, keep living life on your terms.